Welcome to the Home and Family Culture Podcast, discussing how families can uncover their collective vision, values, and traditions that shape their family culture. I'm your host, Jody Chafee. In my podcast, I like to interview successful individuals who can discuss how their success influences and was influenced by their family culture, and also experts who have tips and tools that help families to succeed and to cultivate their family culture. In this episode, I interviewed Marlene Peterson of A Well-Educated Heart. This episode is really just an introduction to the vast work Marlene has compiled on her website. If you're familiar with her work, I hope you will share this episode with your friends to help introduce them to the concept of heart education and the powerful influence of mothers. If you aren't familiar with Marlene, give this episode a listen and be prepared to have your heart softened by Marlene's message of motherhood and of the value of educating the whole child. Thank you so much for listening. Marlene Peterson is founder and president of Libraries of Hope, which is dedicated to relearning the lost arts of educating hearts of children. A firm believer in the power of stories, she has written a manual for storytelling, restoring the art of storytelling in the home. She has also compiled over 60 volumes of stories to share. She and her husband, Brent, have raised eight daughters and one son and currently live in Appomattox, Virginia. So, Marlene, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here on the show. Thank um, you for having me. So, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, what Libraries of Hope is and what inspired you to start it? Well, Libraries of Hope started about 10 years ago. I've always had a very restless spirit where education's concerned and always felt like something was missing. I um, We raised nine children. They all graduated from universities, and that's what we're all about, isn't it? Making sure they get through that, but um, I realized that wasn't the the end. I mean, that is not the golden ticket to life. Yeah. And um, I was asked to help a friend who was uh, had adopted a little school in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. Okay. And as I looked at those little kids, I thought, you know, what we call education isn't going to help these kids because a lot of them aren't even going to make it to adulthood. Mm. And I really wanted to know, um, what I wanted to know is what is God's purpose for education and what are his methods? And that set me on a, a personal search. And um, at the conclusion of a, a, a year of intense study and that has gone on for the last 10 to 14 or 15 years uh, uh-huh. has been that I have reached the conclusion that if we could make education, the goal of education to teach children how to live lives of joy and abundance, we would transform the system. Uh, We just, this gearing everything to college is just hurting us so much. And the other thing that came out of this study is that there is a pattern for learning. We're very mind focused. Mm -hmm. And you know when you're in the mind because it's all test and measure, it's facts, it's proof, it's evidence. And and you know that that's what we're in. 
Yeah. But there's a part to education that we've neglected that they understood 100 years ago, and that's educating the heart. Mm-hmm. And that's completely different. You know, you can't measure it. Um, you do things that make deep impressions on the heart that sometimes a child can't even express. And that's a whole other realm. And it's that education of the heart, tending the heart, um, is all about tending to desires and giving children vision and dreams of what they want. And if you don't tend to that first, then all the mind stuff is kind of dead. You know, the letter killer. Yeah, it doesn't even make any sense. It's there, like you've said in talks that I've heard you give, that the academic aspect of education is really just book smarts. But it's like you can have a child read about a tree until they're blue in the face, but until they see what a tree is and examine it and explore what it is, they're never going to really understand what that is. Even beyond that, at a deeper level, to be able to stand uh, in, a, in a grove of trees and have mm-hmm. a movie Darwin talked about going into a Brazilian forest and just taking in the majesty of the tree and feeling like there was a high, higher power. And he lost that. He said mm-hmm. that because he neglected his heart, which is about the arts, um, his heart became hardened and he could no longer feel that. And we are hardening the hearts of our children with our academic focus. Yeah. The Libraries of Hope was an outgrowth of that. Libraries of Hope, you'll, if you go on it, you'll see it's really a library or, or a place of tremendous resources. Oh, immense amount. Arts. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's fine art and music and stories and all these things that are all for educating hearts and, and teaching parents again how to educate hearts of children. That's awesome. Can I share this quote that was in um, the manual for uh, President Gordon B. Hinckley of the LDS Church? He said that each day we are made increasingly aware of the fact that life is more than science and mathematics, more than history and literature. There is a need for another education without which the substance of secure learning, secular learning, may lead only to destruction. I refer to the education of the heart, of the conscience, of the character, of the spirit, these indefinable aspects of our personalities, which determine so certainly what we are and what we do in our relationships one with another. I love that. He has a way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And, I, and I, when I read that, I like, that's what, that to me was what Libraries of Hope is that it doesn't neglect the mind definitely, but it brings out the, the spirit, the aspect, that heart aspect of it. And, and um, so before, when I was telling you that I wanted to ask you about what kind of education our little children need before the age of five, I'd seen this commercial on TV that, oh, children's brains develop the most between zero and five. And we need, that's why we need to focus on their education. And, um, and it was like, and then it showed children in preschool and things like that. And immediately I turned to my husband and I said, what kind of education are they referring to? Because children need to have an identity before, you know, during that time, they need to develop their sense of being loved and belonging. And, um, and, and so what is your take on that, on that aspect of, of educating our little children? Oh, we've just, we've got to get out of this idea that education is phonics and grammar and math. It, it is for the whole um, child and children especially the first eight years, their hearts are so open and impressionable. They're, the science, scientists can see that there's not really an intellectual shift till about age eight. Mm-hmm. So you've got the first eight years to fill them with impressions and 
and um, interactions with the things that are good and beautiful. And that kind of lays a, the roots and the foundation of their whole lives. Play yeah. is the work of childhood. Yeah. And um, Pestalozzi, who was one of the modern um, heart educators in the 1700s, he talked about, well, it's called Anshong. I can't pronounce it well. It's a uh-huh. use, um, but it, it was a word to describe sense impressions. He said that's the, that's the time to layer in these sense impressions. So in other words, when a child reads the word cold, it has a meaning because he's been cold. Mm-hmm. And if you don't give them a whole rich body of sense impressions, these words won't have any life to them. And so um, childhood just looks like life. Uh-huh. Uh, reading, reading aloud, um, researchers say that a child who listens to language will have much greater reading comprehension because he's taking in the music of the speech and, and creating images from words and all these things that are vital to reading rather than starting with the decoding of words. Exactly. So, um, poetry creates order in the brain and a love of language and pictures are long-lasting. One picture does speak thousands of words. So these are the languages of childhood, picture, story, um, music, poetry. Music and poetry. Awesome. In your time there and out in nature, you're going to have top-notch education. One of the reasons, one of the things that I like, I'd like to be able to accomplish with this podcast and with this platform is that to help people understand and and recognize or develop their identity and their, the identity of their families so they can um, collectively identify who they are, what their vision is as a family. And so recently you were in the Mother's March. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us briefly what, what that was? Well, um, it was a march to, there's, there's been so many negative things about motherhood. Mm-hmm. And this was just to put a, a positive, um, something positive out there, that mothers matter mm-hmm. and that, um, that mothers have the ability to lift the culture of a nation. And so it, it was really a cultural march. It wasn't yeah. really a stand out on the street and march, march. Right. It was just a call to mothers to realize that the influence they have is, is tremendous on what's going to happen next in the world and to kind of give them a, um, a boost, I guess. Uh-huh. I love that. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I'm, I mean, I went on Facebook and I'm like, Oh, I want to, f- I found it, you know, and follow it and like it and stuff. Cause I'm just like, this is, that's exactly what I hope to accomplish too. And on a smaller level that, you know, I want to help people recognize that we as families really can shape the culture, oh. not just of our families, but the nations. Yes. Uh, and so will you just, will you go ahead and share with us the presentation that you gave? Um, at the march so that we can hear your perspective and and what you shared there so that my audience can get a glimpse into what the mother's march is and and head over there and check it out and um but especially i really loved your perspective on it and the story that you told certainly uh, it's an eight minute okay. <laughs> eight, time, eight minutes <laughs> take your time we're not going anywhere <laughs> And of course, it starts with a story, because remember, heart always begins mind, so we start with the story. The banquet hall was filled to overflowing. All eyes watched in eager anticipation for the arrival of the two honored guests. First, a fine-looking young man entered the hall. He was their newly elected mayor, and he was followed by an old, white-haired lady who had gifted their town with their college, their library, and their playground. Dinner was served, the tables cleared, and then the mayor rose to speak. I believe that every man is master of his own fate, 
I believe in being a self-made man. And while I am serving as your mayor, I will do all in my power to ensure every young person in this town is given every opportunity for a good education and a fine career. One can make of himself what he will if he has enough determination and courage. I am here to serve you all. He returned to a seat amidst thunderous applause. Not once during the address had the eyes of the little white-haired lady been She was so deep in thought, she almost missed her introduction as the next speaker. She made her way to the podium and began. Years ago in this very town, there lived a teacher of 10 bright, happy girls. She loved them dearly, but sadly had to move away. She was going to miss those girls, and so she asked each of them to write her a letter and share their fondest wishes and dreams. Jenny wanted to be a great singer. She wanted to go to New York and study opera. Catherine wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. Mary wanted to be a lawyer, a criminal lawyer. Louise wanted to be a nurse. The teacher smiled with deep satisfaction for all the good her girls would do in the world. Then turning to the mayor of the city, the little white-haired lady said, Sir, I believe the contents of one of those letters will be of interest to you more than the rest. I was the teacher of those girls, so I can give you the exact wording of the last letter I read. Dear friend, you have asked us to give you our dearest wish. I have many wishes for the future, but the wish I want most of all is to be a fine and noble woman and someday to be the kind of mother you have told us so much about. The girl who wrote that letter, sir, became your mother. Fourteen years before you were born, your character was being formed. Your ideals were being molded. Your future was being safeguarded. I congratulate you, sir, on being elected to the office of mayor, but I congratulate you more for being the child of my little girl of long ago, who at 16 could write, I want most of all to be a fine woman and someday to be a noble mother. To her, you owe much. Inspire the girls of the town if you plan for great men. A self-made man needs a noble mother to build the foundation of his character. There is no other way. The speaker sat down and there was silence in the banquet hall. For hundreds of years, kings and commoners made pilgrimages to the Oracle of Delphi in ancient Greece for guidance, wisdom, comfort, and strength that came through the voice of a woman. It was the voices of two women, Cleardus and Myrna, two renowned singers who sang songs into the heart of a young poet, Pindar, who in turn awakened a love of beauty in the hearts of the Greeks through his poetry and ushered in a golden age. It was the prayerful, tear-filled voice of Monica that turned a wayward son, Augustine, into a saint, who later wrote, it is to my mother that I owe everything. If I am thy child, O oh my God, it is because thou gavest me such a mother. If I prefer the truth to all other things, it is the point of my mother's teachings. If I did not long ago perish in sin and misery, it is because of the long and faithful tears with which she pleaded for me. It was the pleading voice of Mary Washington and a son's respect for his mother that kept a young George from going to sea thereby changing the course of a nation. Who can measure the influence of a mother? You young mothers are the guardians of the world's most important natural resource, the hearts of children. Hearts matter, for as Luke the physician wrote, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. Everything man creates in the world is but an outward expression of what is treasured in his heart. 
The child who is brought up to love the good, the true, and the beautiful will grow up to create a world that is good, true, and beautiful. The heart forms before the brain within the womb, and emotions develop before the intellect outside the womb. When a child's heart is the most open and impressionable, you are there. As you hold your newborn baby close to your heart, your skin is soft and warm. Your voice is sweet and melodic. The lullabies you quietly hum bring a sense of calm and order to the chaotic world your baby has suddenly entered. You provide the nourishment that satisfies the gnawing hunger in his belly. Cradled in your arms, your baby feels safe. Long before he understands words, long-lasting impressions are being made deep in his heart that reassure him, I matter, I belong, I am loved. The bond between a mother and a child is strong and powerful. There is nothing else like it. <clears throat> it is because of your closeness to your child's heart that your influence and impact is so great. If you don't like what you see going on in the world, the truth is... You are the one who can change it, for all true change must take place in individual hearts. This heart work is divinely gifted to mothers. For far too long, you've been made to feel that the work done in your home is beneath you, that there are more productive ways to spend your time. That is a lie. Over a hundred years ago, Herbert Spencer imagined someone from the future trying to piece together who we were from our school books. He wrote, I see here an elaborate preparation for many things, but I find no reference, whatever, to the bringing up of children. They could not have been so absurd as to omit all training for this gravest of responsibilities. Ah, but we have been so absurd. We are still not only neglecting the preparation, we are demeaning and devaluing the very worth of a mother. Do we not realize the government and agencies can spend far less on ambulances at the base of the cliff if we will support, prepare, and allow you, our mothers, to build the guardrail at the top? Let us correct the course going forward, for as a wise man asks of us, when the real history of mankind is fully disclosed, will it feature the echoes of gunfire or the shaping sound of lullabies, the great armistices made by military men or the peacemaking of women in homes and in neighborhoods? Will what happened in cradles and kitchens prove to be more controlling than what happened in Congresses? We answer with a resounding yes, for we know the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the nations. Priceless is the influence of a mother. And you know, I think the mothers are feeling it. There is a real groundswell among mothers that, that feel like they are here for a reason and a purpose. And they're hungry to learn more. They want to know how, because we've, we've lost it. Yeah. And, um, and that's the message I, that I am giving to mothers is there, are, um, there were instructions left us from these wonderful heart educators. And all the things I work uh, to do is to strengthen mothers to do this important work. Yeah. That was so beautiful. I guess get chills when I hear that again. And um, and that's, yeah. it's true that, you know, the manifestation of our behaviors are the collective beliefs behind those behaviors. And if we're not, you know, there's so much ambiguity and confusion about what to believe anymore mm -hmm. that oh. there's no foundation. And, and uh, yeah, mothers are so confused because like you said, they're told that, that this work that they're doing in the home is beneath them or it's not valuable. And, but 
it is. It's so infinitely valuable. And, but it can be discouraging when you feel like you're all alone or, you know, you don't have, you're just dealing with the same things day in, day out. But I think one of the things I love about what you're doing and Libraries of Hope and the, the um, well-educated Mother's Heart and the Mother's University is that when I've gone to it and looked into it, I'm like, there's so much here for enriching and enlightening me as a mom as well as, and then that translates to my kids and, mm-hmm. and that it's about creating an environment of beauty and heart education more so more than just sitting down and, and making them do academic work and things like that. And, and it's bringing that into your home and into your mm-hmm. own identity of what you see as beautiful and intelligence. It's, it's about being able to be intelligent. And um, did you have a thought about that? that you're well, gonna- I, you just have caught, you caught the vision of that because, you know, so many mothers will come and say, well, tell me how to do this. Yeah. And I say, I can't tell you how to do it. You just have to start. This. this is how do I do this? Because yeah. it is, as you feed your own heart, it just naturally spills out. And so it starts with you. It yeah. starts with the mother. So I know you wanted to talk about this, uh, another movement that you're trying to to get started uh, with educating mothers. Can you tell us more about that and, and start getting the word out about, about that? Well, thank you. And, and it's, it's part of the same movement. If you picture Libraries of Hope as a place of resources, um, this grew out of it. Well, let me quickly tell what happened. I was at a library cell because I love looking for old books, and I came across 10 volumes of the Delphian reading course that I'd never heard of. And um, I brought it home. And as I did some more study, I found that in 1910, back in this time of heart education, they realized that it was important to educate the women. And But the women were too busy. They couldn't go away to college. So they brought college studies home to them. Yeah. If they only had a few minutes a day to study. And so they developed this 10-volume Delphian reading course that covers history and um, literature, nature, music, art. It's the equivalent of a bachelor's degree in classic studies. And um, when, they first, when they first provided it, they thought, well, just individual mothers. But then they realized the power of mothers coming together and learning together. And so they formed Delphian chapters. And they encouraged them to keep them, keep them small, 10 to 15 minutes because they wanted the women to learn how to become articulate uh-huh. there's a word if you know if some of your listener, listeners heard Sharon Eubank recently in a conference she talked about how important it is for women today to become articulate that was one of their purposes and then beyond that it wasn't just for learning it was for lifting the culture lifting um, mm-hmm. a whole community so these chapters would go about finding ways to add beauty and goodness to their community. So I thought, what a great thing to organize mothers and help them feel part of something as they do this. And so I called a couple of friends, Marley Billings and Jen Goostry, and I said, what do you think about, you know, forming something? And they had had exactly the same thought. And they said, here's what it should be called, um, um, Mothers of Influence. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. And Marley laid out a, a beautiful a symbol of the Cedars of Lebanon. And if you go on mothersofinfluence.org, there's this beautiful video where it talks about the Cedars of Lebanon and being Cedars of God and, and sending deep roots and reaching mm-hmm. upward and reaching outward. It's a beautiful um, analogy of what we're hoping to do. So Mothers of Influence not only captures the Delphian course, a study of that and helping women become articulate, 
It also embraces the mother's university where we're learning how to reach hearts of children. Uh-huh. And then we added an element of, you've heard of Sally Clarkson and the life-giving home about creating a home of becoming and belonging. Beautiful, beautiful ideas, something for every month of the year. And then always with the intention that you're always looking for ways to improve the community. And it's meant to be very small and simple. We don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed. Yeah. If you only read the Delphian, if you can only read one sentence a day, do it, but create a daily habit of learning. Uh-huh. And Mother's University, even a weekly, a few minutes. And, and then pick one thing from Sally's book that you can incorporate your home a month. And then get together and talk about it, which women don't have a problem doing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then there is support. And as your, if your group gets big, then branch off. And we want these groups to be not just um, one. We, we want them to be mixtures of women of all ages, uh, women without children, women whose children are raised homeschooled, public schooled, um, all denominations, all political persuasions. Because the aim of the Delphian Society is they said if we in small groups can learn to differ without being uh, contentious and get along, then that branches out and we can become a community of people where we don't all look alike, but that's okay. In fact, I'll just, I'll read this one quote that, that they had in their handbook and I love this. It said, 10 small discussional groups in the community will do more to create a new way of life than 100 mass meetings with 1,000 in attendance at each. And, and they did it. Within a few years, they had over 2,000 chapters all across the country. Wow. And they were an influence for, for great good. And so they don't exist in women. I can find. But that's mothersofinfluence.org. That's awesome. I, I love that idea that like, we could t- come together and have conversations about real, you, you know what I mean? Like things that are not so worldly or superficial, but to actually come together and have like intelligent, intelligible conversations about. Intelligent. And as you study, you know, the thing that the Delphians taught was you cannot begin to solve today's problems. If you do not understand how we came to be where we are, you've got to know history. Mm-hmm. You've got to know it through the humanities as well as through, as through the politics and the government. And this Delphian course covers that broad range so and, and so many women lack confidence because they say, oh, I don't have a college education. Hmm. Well, you would not get an education like this even if you went to college. This will make you, <laughs> this is such a broad, um, and, and there's so many opportunities to deepen that understanding as you go. It's exciting. It's, and it's, it's all uh, free. And it's, it's all free. So it will, it's offered um, digital versions are available for free at Mothers of Influence. And there are hard, hard copies you can buy if you'd rather have a hard Okay, copy. okay. Wow, that's awesome. You know, so many times I see people posting like, oh, I'm out of things to read. What what should I read? And so many times I'm like, what? How can you be out of things? How have you read everything? (laughs) My list keeps growing. And uh, but I do love that you emphasize like don't feel overwhelmed, like just a little bit at a time and you, you know, those practice that practice does accumulate into a great education. By small and simple things, great things will come to pass. Small and simple. Well, thank you so much, Marlene. I am so grateful to have had you tell us about more about what you do and this important message of, of lifting the hearts of our children, teaching us about of heart education. That's, it's so inspiring. And um, so one more time, will you tell us all the different ways that we can find you online? <laughs> well, librariesofhope.com and welleducatedheart.com go to the same place, whichever okay. one you remember. And uh-huh. then there's mothersofinfluence.org. 
And thank and you, you also, for having me. Yeah, oh, it's my pleasure. You're doing. Oh. And, uh, and you also have a podcast that talks about more about what the Libraries of Hope and Well-Educated Heart are as well. Yes, and that can be accessed. It's in the menu bar at the top of the page at librariesofhope.com. Or um, it's in iTunes, if you okay. look up that way. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Marlene. Thank you. Thank you again, Marlene, for coming on this show. I'm always so inspired by her message. I'm My feelings of scarcity as a mom always melt away when I hear her speak. I hope that you will head over to her websites and learn more about the Libraries of Hope and the Well-Educated Heart, as well as Mothers of Influence and the Delphian Courses. Marlene's work is incredibly inspiring, and I hope that you will, you will go listen and check it out. You can find links to her website and the notes for this episode at homeandfamilyculture.com, www.homeandfamilyculture.com. Please share, rate, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting medium. I'm on iTunes and Stitcher and Podbean and TuneIn. And also I post these episodes on YouTube. (laughs) So thank you again for listening. I really appreciate your support.